Luke 18, verses 18 through 27, it says, A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Jesus continues. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. The ruler responded. He said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. I'm going to be honest. If Jesus said this to me, I'd kind of freak out. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. The title of the message and what our main theme is, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is perspective for your new year. Perspective for your new year. Um, I am not a goals person. Just going to be honest with you. I don't like goals. Um, I'm not very good with goals. Um, I don't like write out resolutions. That's just my personality. I just don't, I'm, I'm not very good with goals, but I do think it, you know, that doesn't excuse me from having goals and things like that. And so every year when it comes to the fall, my wife and I, we kind of take time to pray and think about what the new year is going to behold for us, what we're going to try and focus on, what were some good things that happened this year, what are some things that we want to take into into the following year. Um, but I think today what I want to give us a, a head start to is January is coming. We got a couple weeks left of 2023, but I think for 2024, already start thinking about and praying about what you want your new year to look like, what you want to take into 2024, begin processing how was this year? How did I do? What are some things that I can take into the new year? What are some things I want to capitalize on? What are some things I want to leave behind? What are, you know, just start beginning to think and process that. And I think as we come into the new year, I want to challenge us today and encourage us around our perspective, the perspective that we have around stewardship and, and specifically uh, our heart. Because your perspective determines your path. So the way that you view things will ultimately determine the steps that you take. We've all heard that saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So how you view things, how you view your home, how you view your finances, how you view your relationships, how you view these things will determine how you treat them. It will determine how you serve them. It will determine how you use them. It will determine your path, which, which, ultimately, which ultimately determines your progress, which is growth, and ultimately leads to your peace. So you want peace, you got to go all the way back to your perspective. You got to look at your perspective and say, I'm not, I'm not experiencing peace right now. So it may be because there's some things in my life that I'm viewing maybe not the best way. I, maybe you're like me. I, I do this every single year. 
Sometimes it's a TV show, sometimes it's movies. This year it was movies. I pick a collection of movies and I just kind of go through all of them in just like my wife doesn't see me for like six days. And I just kind of go, so Lord of the Rings, you know, I'll see, you know, I'll, the movie at night, Marvel. A couple years ago, my wife and I went chronologically through all of the Marvel movies. It took like two months, but we made it through. This year with Mission Impossible, and uh, Indiana Jones coming out, I said, hey, I'm going to watch all six Mission Impossibles to prepare myself for the seventh one, which is only part one. So I'm really excited that it's coming back. But it was me, Tom Cruise, Ving Rhames. It was beautiful. Didn't talk to my kids for six days. And I was just in it. I, you know, I was like, man, I could, I hope to run like Tom Cruise when I'm like 60, right? So, you know, Mission Impossible did that. And then I saw, you know, Dead Reckoning. It was awesome. And then, you know, and then Indiana Jones with the new Indiana Jones. I still, what is crazy about Harrison Ford, this is just a side note. What's crazy about Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford is they can move like that at that age. I hope to be able to do that. But with the new Indiana Jones movie coming out, I, you know, I, I started watching. But my favorite Indiana Jones movie of all time, my favorite one is Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. It's with Sean Connery. And the premise of the movie is they are going after the Holy Grail. And there's some bad guys that want to get the Holy Grail. And so Indiana Jones and his dad, who is Sean Connery, are going after the Holy Grail. And in the climactic ending of the scene of the movie, Indiana Jones is in this lair. He's in this cave. And they have found the Holy Grail. And the Holy Grail is a cup. And it's supposed to be the cup of Christ that he drank at the Last Supper. And in order to inherit eternal life, they've got to pick the right cup. There's about 20 of them. They've got to pick the one that Jesus would have used, dip it into some water, drink it, and they can have eternal life. If they choose wrongly, they will die. So the bad guy naturally, you know, he goes first. And as he's walking, he sees this cup and it's shiny, it's gold. It's got a lot of jewels on it. He goes, he says to himself, that is the cup of a king. And so he picks up the cup and he dips it in the water and he drinks it and a few seconds go by and it's like poison. Like he starts to, he can't breathe and his body decomposes and he dies. Bad guy dead, right? It's just, this is classic like 80s action movies, right? So now we're all looking at Indiana Jones. Which cup is he going to pick? And as he's going through all of the cups that are there, he sees one that's towards the back. It's got some cobwebs on it. And he says to himself, that is the cup of a carpenter. And so he picks up that cup and he dips it in the water. Right before he's about to drink, he, you know, he takes a deep breath and he drinks, and he lives. Movie over, everybody celebrates. It's, it's amazing. Like I said, classic 80s action movies. But what I love so much about that scene is your perspective, the way that you see things, it will determine the steps that you take. It will determine the choices and the decisions that you make. It will determine your peace. It will determine your growth. It will determine your progress. It will, it will determine the decisions and the choices that you make, not only in relationships, but how you see God. I remember when, when we first started having kids, uh, somebody said to me, the way that your children view you is ultimately what they're going to project on God. So if they see you as loving and kind and gracious, they will see God 
as loving and kind and gracious. If they see you as judgmental, if they see you as harsh, that will ultimately be the view in which they see God. Your perspective matters. The way that you see things, the way that you see what you have and what God has blessed you will ultimately determine how first you use it and the peace in which you live your life. And so we're going to look at a couple things today from the life of the young ruler and how he stewarded his finances and ultimately the decision that he made to walk away very sorrowful. But a few notes before we begin. The first thing is what is a good steward? Let's all get on the same page here. A good steward is first a disciple of Jesus. What is a disciple? A wholehearted, committed follower of the teacher Jesus and his teachings. A good steward doesn't worship or trust in money. They use it as a resource. I love Pastor Chad said this last week, and I think it's so great. We don't serve money. We, uh, we make sure that money serves us, right? So we don't worship money. We use it as a resource. It, we determine, check this out, we determine the path that it takes. Money is like water. You got to tell it where to go. So good stewards, they're first a disciple. They don't worship or trust money. And good stewards know that everything they possess is from God's. We are just managers. We are managing the things that God has given us. Now, why does all this matter? Okay, great. This is what a good steward is. You talked about Indiana Jones. Why does any of this matter, right? We are created to worship God and to trust him only. To serve no other gods except him. Not anyone or any other thing, money included. Psalm 146 says, do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. Stewardship provides us hope. Why? Because this is not on us. We are stewarding what God has ultimately blessed us with. And our perspective on treasure, time, talents is derived from the heart in which we worship Jesus. So what is the problem? Why, okay, so I understand why it matters, but what's the problem? Now, on the west side, we love hip-hop. And so uh, why, does, why does all this matter? Because cash rules everything around us. That's a Wu-Tang reference. Now, we talk a lot about hip-hop on the west side. I love hip-hop. The other day, my kids were watching the new Transformers movie, and it takes place in the 80s, and in it, there's the Wu-Tang song, Cream, Cash Rules Everything Around Me, and my daughter repeated it. She goes, Cash Rules Everything Around Me? And I said, yes, dollar dollar bills, y'all. And she like, looked at me like I was crazy. That's our culture. Cash Rules Everything Around Me. Like, check, check this out. Check this out. This is, a, uh, this is a survey done by Capital One and the Decision Lab. This is a recent survey that they updated as of November 9th, 2023. This is called the Mind Over Money Survey. 77% of Americans report feeling anxious about their financial situation. 58% feel that finances control their lives. 52% have difficulty controlling their money-related worries. 43% of people in America, as it pertains to finances, feel fatigued. 42% find it difficult to concentrate at work. Just kind of wrap your mind around that. We are at work to make money, but we spend our time 
at work, making money, worrying about our money. 41% have trouble sleeping as it pertains to their finances. Money is the biggest competitor with God. And how we view our perspective of it, our view of it, determines, again, the path that we will take. Stewardship matters because it is the preparation process through which God forms trust in us to be able to trust us with more. It is the preparation process. How you steward your money, how you steward your relationships, how you steward your words, how you steward your thoughts, how you steward your body, how you steward your children, how you steward your home, is all a preparation process for God being able to trust you with more. Remember, calling is never achieved. It's only walked out in stages. It's only, it's only walked out in phases. You and I, we don't, we don't ever arrive until we get to heaven. So our calling, the season that we're in, is a part of the phase and the stages that God has for us in our life. So we don't, we don't, the reason that we look at, you know, Psalm 146, we don't trust in money or we don't trust in princes. We don't trust in any of this kind of stuff because it can go. Money can come and go. Jobs can come and go. We said this verse last week and, and I love this verse. What would happen if you got everything you wanted? Because it seems like the ruler got everything that he wanted. He kept all the commandments. He had all the wealth that he could ever imagine. And he still comes to Jesus and says, it's not enough. What must I do to, in, well, to inherit eternal life? These things aren't meant to satisfy us. They're meant to be resources in which God uses us to bless his people. So why does all of this matter? Well, it matters because God has a plan for your life. And we steward these things to be able to be used by God. I love this quote by Tim Grover. He was the uh, trainer for Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Dwayne Wade. Check out this quote. If you think the cost of hard work is too high, wait until you get the bill for doing nothing. If you think the cost of stewardship is too high, wait until you get the bill for doing nothing. Last night, my wife went to Century City. And I wanted a new shirt. She said, nah, fam, we're stewarding. <laughs> it's hard work. If you think the cost of stewardship is too high, wait until you get the bill for doing nothing. I want to talk about just four quick things, four quick things on stewardship and how it applies to our heart into our worship. The first thing is stewardship is taking inventory. You got to identify what's in your hand. You got to identify what God has blessed you with. Genesis 1 says, then God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea. The Hebrew word that's used there uh, for rule is the word radah. And it and translated, uh, the thought behind it is, is to actively participate in advancing God's kingdom forward. It is to actively 
partner with God in what he is doing. So first, just, just, just a starting point for all of us. If you're here and you have insecurity or doubt as to your calling or to how you view yourself or um, is God even in existence because does God know that I'm even here or what I'm going through. This verse, take this verse into your week and remind yourself when you begin to have those thoughts. Firstly, you matter because you were created by God. The image of God is on the imprint of your heart. It is in your DNA. God created you in his image. But secondly, but secondly, he created you to rule. He created you to rule. Take that to your work and say that to your coworker. Fam, I'm here to rule. But what, why does that matter to us? It's you've got to see yourself. The, the first thing with perspective is we've got to see the perspective first of God, of, of how we view God and how we view ourselves. So perspective matters because you have to have the right perspective of how to view yourself that you matter in this world. You matter in this world because you carry the image of God. But secondly, you matter in this world because you are put here to actively participate and partner with God in advancing his kingdom forward. You matter. So your stewardship matters. Check, check this out. I love this quote about giving, giving and generosity. Giving for Christians becomes an act of faith, trusting God to meet our needs while becoming the method by which he meets the needs of others. Your life matters. Your calling matters. Your stewardship matters. Your faith matters. When we get up, you know, we just did this a couple minutes ago, but when we get up and we, we're here in this room and we're worshiping, we're creating an atmosphere of, of faith so that all of us can get ministered to, that we can get healed, that we can receive direction from God. You matter in this room. You matter online. The faith that you put in the chats online, it matters to people who are watching. Why? Because faith is contagious. Faith builds the atmosphere. Faith says anything is possible. And when we give to that, when we give to that, other people in the room, myself included, yourself included, are actively participating and partnering with God in the healing and the restoration of his people. So if you think you don't matter, Slap that thought on the face and say, not today. Because you matter. You don't, you don't just matter to God. Like, you matter to all of us. We can't do anything if there's not that faith and that belief that we're actively participating. Why, do, why does serving in connect groups and heart for the house and culture class and all these things matter? It's because we're saying yes to what God is doing in our life. And we're saying yes to actively participating with God in advancing and moving his kingdom forward. Our culture, Los Angeles specifically, is focused on selling us something that we should have. So why we steward is because we say, I'm not going to let comparison steal my joy. LA, LA is designed to make you feel like you don't have what you need. And so, yeah, just so we're all on the same page, it's not a thing where we leave here and we just say, well, I'm not going to pray for anything else or I'm not going to believe for more. 
No, we're still doing those things, but we're content with the season that God has us in. And we're not looking to the left or to the right, but we're content with the season that God has us in because I realize that God has given me a sphere of influence and he's given me tools and skills to be able to partner with him in moving this whole thing forward. Comparison is the thief of joy. So your perspective what ultimately determines your path. And it ultimately determines your peace. Number two, stewardship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So first, you got to identify, like, what's in your hand? you got to take inventory. God, what have you blessed me with? What can I use for others? That could be resources. That could be time. That could be your skills, talents, whatever that is. But secondly, it's a lifestyle. It's got to be lived out. What's stealing your peace? Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. The rich young ruler doesn't walk away sad because he lost everything. He walks away sad because he had many possessions and he couldn't imagine a life without them. The solution to not being obsessed with money is not swinging the pendulum 100%. It's shifting what you give your time, your worship, and your brain space to. John Mark Comer says it like this, because what you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. To walk with Jesus is to walk with a content, trusting pace. There's a book that I love, it's called uh, Three Mile an Hour God. It's written by this theologian, philosopher, and he basically, the premise of the book is that the average pace that you and I walk at is three miles an hour, is the average pace for all humans that they walk, unless you live in New York, uh, it's the average pace at which you and I walk at. And so if God is creator and God created you and I, if we are created in the image of God and he has created us to rule and the pace at which we walk at is three miles an hour, what he says is that that must be the pace of love. That must be the pace of love. Now, uh, my son, my son Harvey, um, he has set records for the slowest walker in the history of humanity. This guy, I don't know how he does it. It's a skill. It's an art. Um, he will probably watch this one day and, and get mad at me for saying this, but I will no doubt say back to him, you walked slow, bro. Very slow. And he, he kind of waddles. When he runs, he uses like all of his arms, but it's like, at, it's still not running. He's just the slowest walker. And I don't, and, and for somebody like me is very like type A, it's just, it's, I, I'm like, hey man, hey, we gotta do something about this, you know? But you know, if, if, you've, ever, if you've ever seen children when they begin to walk, you hold, you hold their hands with, with both your hands and you walk behind them like this. And you just walk at the pace that they can walk. The older they get, then you kind of switch to one hand and you walk with them like this. And the older they get, then they can walk on their own. 
Stewardship, stewardship with God is him walking at your pace. Maybe you've been on the journey of stewardship for a long time and this is just great reminders for you, great encouragement. Maybe this is brand new to you. The promise of a God who walks at three miles an hour is a pace of love in which he stands with us and he walks with us like this. Until we get it. And then he walks with us like this. Until we get it. And then he walks with us like this. And he stands beside us. And so... You might be on the journey of stewardship, but rest assured that God is not looking at you like you're a failure. He's not looking at you ashamed. He's looking at you saying, I want to be on the journey with you. I want to be on the journey with you. And the thing with stewardship is we got to say, what's stealing our peace? Because ultimately it goes back to our perspective. So if our peace is off, we got to look at our perspective and how we view what's in our hand and how we view what God is, is doing. And sometimes, sometimes that's a stewardship problem and sometimes that's just a shame and guilt problem. And I love the spirit of our churches. We've always said this, is that you're doing better than you think you're doing. You're doing the best you can. And it's, it, the reason that we say that is because it's the spirit of Jesus. Why? Because he's walking with us like this. And then he's walking with us like this. And then he's just walking with us like this. And so what's stealing your peace? What's taking it away? What's keeping you from concentrating at work? What's keeping you from sleeping at night? It all goes back to perspective. So we got to identify what's in our hand. The second thing is, is we got to identify what's stealing our peace. And the third thing is stewardship is transformation. We got to see what needs to go. It's transformation. We got to see what needs to go. I love this book. It's called Invitation to a Journey. It's written by Robert Mulholland. And in it, he has these three levels of transformation, which we would call as identifying just sin, things in our life, right? So the first, the first level is blatant. This is obvious things that are evil that hurt us and hurt humanity, right? The second thing is it's unconscious. So things that we didn't used to know, but now we do know, and they hinder our growth. The last one is trust structures, deep-seated core trust structures out of which our behavior flows, right? This line we've been, we've been using, but I love it. It's like, you don't have a money problem, you have a you problem, right? And so sometimes the problem with me is my focus and my trust is on my finances, it's on my gift mix, it's on my family, it's on my friends, all things that are great, all things that are not God. Deep-seated core things that determine our behavior, our progress, our path, right? Who here by show of hands loves TikTok? Come on, be honest in church. I saw this thing yesterday, a stat that um, it's, it's eclipsed 22 billion hours of people watching TikTok, which is massive. Um, no shame, no shade, by the way. Uh, just 
That was just a, a, a recent poll. <laughs> but check out, check out this thing about TikTok and, and the Instagram algorithms. They are designed to track how you and I behave on the platform, to understand what we like. It places a serious emphasis on how users interact with the platform based on interactions. When we started Zoe, we started Zoe with this, with this tagline, you belong before you believe, before you behave, or before you become. So in other words, you may be here for the first time and you're just checking out Zoe. Maybe these are new concepts to you. Maybe you're just trying to get a feel for this church. Our whole, our whole mantra was always, you, you belong here. Whether or not you believe what we believe, whether or not you're acting or behaving in those ways that maybe other people would. And so that was always our, our stance because we believe that you and I, we encourage each other and we build each other up, but we don't control each other. And so I can't control your behavior, you can't control my behavior. How behavior is changed is based on interactions. It's based on interactions with Jesus. So the more interactions that you have with Jesus, the more time in prayer, the more time in, in his word, in the Bible, the more time in small groups, which we call connect groups, the more time serving, the more time you spend in these interactions, the more your behavior starts to become not like us, but becomes more like Jesus. Because your life is, organi is organized around becoming more like him. And so just like with TikTok, based off your interactions, based on how you interact will determine your path and will determine your progress and will determine your peace. It all goes back to your perspective. And so for us, we started and we said, hey, we want to start a church where people can come here and experience and have interactions with Jesus. Interactions in worship, interactions with the community, interactions through serving and outreach, these are all means to an end. Bible reading and prayer, we do not worship those things. They are a means to an end. And that end is spending more time with Jesus. That end is becoming more like him. That end is, well, in other words, stewardship. How I steward my life, how I steward my interactions, how I steward the people around me, how I steward, you know, the greatest thing about stewardship is when you begin to identify what's in your hand, you begin to see you actually have a lot more than you actually set out to start. Because you begin to see your phone as, well, this is just a tool to be able to encourage people. You begin to see your sphere of influence as like, well, this is an opportunity for me to pray for people. You begin to see your city as something that you take ownership for, as, say, as saying like, no, that's not their problem. It's our problem, and we get an opportunity to serve the people of this city. When we talk about giving hope, this is our opportunity to partner with God in moving his kingdom forward. But it's our opportunity to say, I'm accepting what God has placed in my hand, and whether I can donate one toy or 100 toys, it doesn't matter because I'm actively participating with God and advancing his kingdom forward. But I cannot do that if I first don't identify the things that are deep within my heart that have to go the things that get in the way, the things that block the flow of the kingdom moving in and through me. Before God ever does anything through you, he must do something first in you. And so sometimes we gotta identify the things that are getting in the way. 
What is in the way? What is in the way of walking in the calling that God has for you in this season? What's getting in the way of you being able to walk in all that God has for you and being able to utilize the calling and being able to utilize your resources? It's, it's not a money problem. Dang it. It's a me problem. I'm the me monster. I'm the problem. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The word that's used there for pure is uh, a word that is translated to be clean. To clean. It's a, pure, it's a pureness of your heart. It's a pureness of your motives. It's a pureness of your heart. I heard a preacher one time say about this verse, uh, you got to have a catheter in your heart. Everybody know, knows what a catheter is in here. But as junk comes in, I got to pump it out. As the love of money comes in, I got to pump it out. As image management comes in, I got to pump it out. As the fear of fill in the blank, I've got to pump it out. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. What's got to go? What's got to go? God wants to do something in your life and he's actively waiting to partner with you in the advancement of his kingdom and his gospel. Sometimes we just get in the way. Sometimes it's our heart. We got to redirect that, amen? amen. So I'm gonna invite the band to come up, but we got to identify what's in our hand. We got to identify what's stealing our peace. We got to identify what needs to go and the last thing is stewardship is a decision. We gotta ask ourselves the question, who is our God? We gotta identify it, who's our God? Is it money? Is it a job? Is it a career? Is it a relationship? We gotta identify who is our God. The question and the statement that Jesus poses to the rich young ruler, go sell all you have and, and you know, store up treasures in heaven was a check to his heart. He couldn't see himself without it. And it's revealed that money was his God. Possessions was who he served. And for us today, we gotta look at our possessions. We gotta look at what we're, what's in our hand. Are we serving what we're stewarding? Are we, are we serving a dream? Are we serving God? Jesus says to him, to the rich young ruler, he says, come to me, follow me. Come to me, follow me. Jesus says a phrase similar to this in another piece of scripture, Matthew 11. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and my load is not hard to carry. So he says to the rich young ruler, come follow me. And he says to you and I, come to me, come to me, come to me. Perspective determines the path that we take. 
and it determines the progress that we're making, our growth, but it ultimately determines our peace. How's your peace today? Are you weary? Are you burdened by financial stress? Are you burdened by the stress of maybe the future? Are you burdened by the, this maybe nagging thought that God, am I ever gonna make it? Am I ever gonna move forward? Am I ever gonna amount to anything? Jesus says, come to me, come to me. Are you weary? Are you sad? Are you tired? He says, come to me. Do you find yourself in one of the percentage that, percentages that we were looking at earlier? He says, come to me. Let your desire be me. Being faithful with a lot is determined how you are faithful with a little because the perspective in which you see it is never, it never phases you because it doesn't matter whether I'm stewarding a little or whether I'm stewarding a lot, it does not matter because God is my God and I'm here to serve Jesus. And I am, when I am in his presence, there is fullness of joy. I don't need anything else but him. I'll leave you with this quote before we go. This is by a professor and author. His name is Jamie K.A. Smith. And he says, we are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity. The wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicenter of the human person. Thus scripture counsels above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Stewardship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart, to be attentive and intentional about what you love. Stewardship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his, to want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God, and crave a world where he is all in all. Stewardship isn't for God. It's ultimately for us. It's perspective. It's technique. You want freedom? It all stems. It all stems. It all stems from stewardship. You want peace? It all stems from stewardship. You want rest? It all stems from stewardship. Your perspective determines your path which determines the progress that you make, which ultimately determines your peace. I say, as we go into this new year, we go into this new year, identifying what's in our hand, identifying what's stealing our peace and getting rid of it. Identifying what's in the way that's gotta go and ultimately making the decision that Jesus, you are Lord of my life, you are my all in all, and I'm here. My desire, my thirst, my hunger, my faith, my trust is all 
after you. And I crave a world in which I get to partner and participate with you in advancing your kingdom forward. You matter and your perspective matters. And how you see God and how you see what he's placed in your hand will determine the beauty. It will determine the beauty of the picture you paint that other people will see. So you see yourself as a child of God and you see yourself as you matter and you see the things that God has given you. You hold them in your hand with an open hand ready to be used by God, but you use them for the benefit of others and you use them for the glory of God, amen.